Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I wonder right now, just between you and God, if you would just say, Lord, whatever you want to do. Hallelujah, God, whatever you want to do, I surrender my will. I let down my walls of resistance. I let down my walls of preconceived ideas. The way that I thought you were going to move, what I thought you were going to do. Hallelujah, God, and I'm loosing you right now. I'm liberating you. I'm freeing you to move in my life however you desire, whatever you want to do, whatever you're calling me to, Lord. The answer is yes. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, it's the most difficult to pray, prayer to pray. It's really where Jesus died. It wasn't on the cross. It was in the garden when he prayed, not thy will, but not my will, but thine be done. That's really what looses God to do the miracle in your life is when you pray that prayer, not my will, but thine be done. Hallelujah, Jesus. I surrender to you, Lord. Hallelujah. I surrender to you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We thank you for your presence that is here so rich, your presence that is here so near and so close to us. Yes, God, and we ask you right now, do what you came to do, Lord. Hallelujah, God, we don't want our plans or our agenda to supersede what you desire to do. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just one more time, could you stretch your hand out toward a neighbor nearby you? And I just want us to pray that. The Bible talks about us bearing one another's burdens. Come on, that there's strength in the body of Christ. It's one of the great benefits of being a part of the church body is that we don't have to go through things alone, but there's somebody around you right now that can bring strength to you through their prayers. In the name of Jesus, you don't need to know what they're going through. You don't have to know all the specifics. But I know that Jesus is the answer. I know he is the great I am. If you're sick, I know he's a healer. If you're bound, I know he's a deliverer. Come on, if you feel like you've come to the end of the road, he's a way maker. I don't know what you're going through, but I know Jesus is the answer. I'm telling somebody in this building right now, Jesus has a great plan for you. But you got to let go and let God. You got to let God take control. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Could we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Thank you to the praise team. What a great atmosphere is here this morning. What a great atmosphere of praise and worship. And the Bible tells us he inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. We don't have a team of entertainers. They're good, but they're not here to entertain. Amen. We try very hard not to be a distraction. How many of you know sometimes when things are a little bit off, it can be a distraction? We don't want to be a distraction, but we're not here to entertain. We're here to lead you into praise because... He doesn't inhabit entertainment. Amen. Stars and celebrities inhabit entertainment. Amen. But our God is not the star. He is the day star. He's not here today to inhabit entertainment. He's here today to inhabit praise. And so if you don't feel yet like he is inhabiting your circumstance, I want to give you one quick way to get in there. Just begin to give him praise. Begin to lift up the name of Jesus. God, you are great. And you are greatly to be praised. I may not see how I'm going to make it through this, but I know, I know that you've already got it figured out, and I praise you. Amen. Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter number 8, Romans 8. Amen. And we're going to look into the first, uh, verse 35. 
And uh, we do want to say we're so thankful to have all of our guests that are here today. Amen. I know this is a traveling weekend. We still have folks that are visiting loved ones and friends abroad. Certainly we pray for their safe journeys. Amen. But we're thankful for all of you that have joined us today. Living Hope, would you help me right now in letting all of our guests know how glad we are, how thankful we are. Amen. That you came to worship with us today. Amen. Our, our goal is that by the time you leave here, you would almost think those people are a little too friendly. Because I just, I don't think in the world we live in today you can overdo friendliness. I don't think you can overdo, you can overdo phoniness. But I'm not talking, we we're not phony here today. We want you to know we're really glad that you're here today. And we really believe that God wants to do a work in your life today. Amen. So we pray that you feel that. Amen. I do want to say it's been an honor to have my mother-in-law here with us for the last uh, 10 days or so. And I think she's going to be here flying out earlier on Wednesday. So this will be the last time you all get to see her. And uh, so I just want to let her know we love her and we honor her. Thankful for the example that she has been to my wife and to myself over the years. Amen. Also good to have Lamarck here. He was here, joined us on the praise team today. Good to have Lamarck. He is a worship leader in Houston at his local church, and we're glad to have him here today. Amen. There might be some other reasons why he's here today. We won't get into all that. Lamarck, we're glad you're here. Amen. And also, it's good to have Sister Stewart, Brother Cade's mother here with us from Louisiana. Amen. I heard there was going to be some gumbo. Is that right, Brother Cade? I think you told me gumbo for things. Was that? Oh, he said, the secret is out. So if you want to know who to see for gumbo, I'm, I'm kidding probably all gone already, I would imagine. He's not saying yes or no to that. Amen. We're certainly glad to have uh, her with us here today. And all of you that are here in this building today, I know that there are others that I should be mentioning that I'm not. It's not because I don't want to. It's because I forget things. Amen. Do any of y'all have that problem? I'm not alone in that. All right, good. I don't feel so bad. Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 35 some of you I'm not calling because I don't want to embarrass you. All right. I was told, my dad defied this theory, but I was told the worst thing you can do the first time somebody comes to your church is put them on the spot. My dad wouldn't just do that. He would call you up and have you sing your first time in church. And it worked for him, but he's got a one-in-a-lifetime one gifting. Uh, anyway, we want you to know we're glad you're here. Somewhere between embarrassing you and letting you know you're, that we're glad you're here. Romans 8, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall ever be able to separate me. Come on, somebody, you got to get that in your... Nothing is going to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated in modern culture and probably just a part of human DNA, there is a fascination with last-minute wins. We call them buzzer beaters or Hail Marys, clutch wins, last-second shockers. There's something about these nail-biters and these last-minute wins that make the victory sweeter. The crowd responds a little bit more vigorously and the satisfaction of those last-minute wins lasts longer. We remember those games when the team wins on a last-second shot, a game-ending free throw, or a time-expiring field goal. And while there is something in the nature of humanity that finds great joy and gratification from snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, I would introduce to you today that there is an even sweeter victory than the buzzer beater. That is a victory that is much less stressful on the blood pressure and on the heart rate of those that are in the audience. Take, for example, the victory at the 1973 Belmont Stakes. 
This would be the 105th running of the Triple Crown horse race that was won by the horse secretariat by a whopping 30 lengths. That is roughly 270 feet between him and the horse that came in second place. That's not a nail biter. That's not a buzzer beater. Nobody was wondering how that race was going to end. Or in 1986 when Mike Tyson knocked out his opponent, Marvis Frazier, just 30 seconds into their fight. There wasn't a 10th round waiting around to see who was going to win, how the scorecards were going to tilt. In 2007, the Texas Rangers defeated the Baltimore Orioles by a score of 30-3. to For you diehards, you're wondering why did I have to bring that up. In 1940, the Chicago Bears in the World Championship, which is what it was known as at that time, beat some no-name team from Washington by a score of 73 to nothing. I'm a fan, but I still had to say it. It's still true. And in the year 2000, Tiger Woods won the U.S. Open by 15 strokes. These were competitions that were not nail-biters. The audience was not glued to the TV watching for the final shot that would determine the outcome. These were annihilation. They were resounding victories. The contest was decided long before the final buzzer sounded and the game ended. And while these wins do not necessarily hold the crowd on the edge of their seat, they display a very important image and they illustrate a crucial truth that I would bring to you from the Word of God today. And that is simply this, that that is the victory that God has called you to today. That is the victory that I have been called to today. For all of the buzzer beater fans that are out there today, your victory over the adversary and the enemy was never intended to be a last second Hail Mary with make it or break it implications on the line. For those of you that prefer buzzer beaters where if the shot goes in, we win, but if it misses, we lose, that is not the way God intended your salvation to be. God did not intend for your walk with him to be such a razor-thin distinction that separates you from being in the world and being in the church. He did not intend for it to be. It just depends on what day you die and go to glory. That would depend on whether you make it to heaven and are saved or not. No, I want to preach to you today for as long as the Holy Ghost will allow me and as long as my voice will hold up on this thought, you are called to conquer. Tell your neighbor you are called to conquer. First of all, today I would extract the word conquer that is used in our text in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. At a glance, the word conquer that is there in our English language might simply bring about the connotation of winning. We might read that in its English vocabulary and we might just say, when Paul says we are more than conquerors, we might just say, you know what, that means that God intends for us to win. That God intends for us to score more than the other team. That it's God's will that we put a W in the win column. But the word that Paul chooses to use there in its original Greek context conveys more than just a win. It's more than just putting up more points on the scoreboard than the other team. But the word that is used is the Greek word hypernikomen, amen, which means to defeat surpassingly. And not just does Paul carefully choose this word that he will use, he chooses it so that he will leave no doubt as to who we are in Christ. But he doesn't just leave it at that word, which means that we are going to surpassingly win. But he adds to that, we are going to more than do that. Amen. Because God wanted you to know that this is not a nail-biter salvation. This is not a nail-biter victory. This is not a buzzer beater that's going to come down to the last seconds to decide who is going to win. No, God intended for it to be a clear-cut, convincing, no doubt about it, beyond all shadow of doubt. I will be victorious. 
The first thing that I want to preach to you this morning, this call concerning this call to conquer Amen. Somebody in this building today, amen, I would say to you again, this word was carefully chosen by Paul. Amen. It was a, it was a word that was chosen to use. I've got to let the people of God know that God, Sister Lawrence, God is not intending for you to just make it into heaven by the skin of your teeth. Amen. Jasmine, God is not intending for you to just kind of get over depression a little bit. Amen. It's not the will of God that you just kind of get beyond living with fear in your life but he wants fear to be so far in the background that nobody could even question I'm not just going to kind of make it into heaven I'm going to make it into heaven by a margin of victory I'm going to make it into heaven with victory on my mind Somebody today, you need to make it known. It's already been decided. I already made up my mind. There's no doubt about it. I'm going to serve the Lord. I've known those Christians that it depended on whether it was Sunday morning or Friday night, whether they were going to heaven. Because on Sunday night, they were on the church pew. On Friday night, they were on the bar stool. Hallelujah. That, that's a buzzer beater, Christian. I sure hope I die on a Sunday afternoon. I sure hope I die after a Monday night prayer meeting. Amen, because if I die on the wrong day, I don't know where I'm going to end up. That's not the way God intended your faith to be. Amen, you need to make it up right now. Devil, it doesn't matter what day you take me. Amen, it doesn't matter what day I die. Whether it's a Sunday morning or a Friday night, I've already made up my mind where I'm going to be. No matter what day it is, I'm going home to be with the Lord. When we speak of this call to conquer, there are just two points that I want to bring today. The first is the peril of perversion. Amen. There is in this call to conquer, we must battle with this peril of perversion, or I might call it the danger of deception. The word perversion, I know that we use it in maybe a certain context, but the word perverted is simply to distort something from its original or intended state. Amen. To, 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 to pervert something is to take something and use it in a way that it was not created to be used or intended to be used. Amen. And the enemy would come to us and pervert who we are in Jesus Christ. The enemy knows that he can get us to trip and fall if he can get us to believe that our calling is different than the calling that God placed upon you. If he can get you convinced that God called you to struggle and God called you to fight and God called you to always be battling with fear and anxiety and worry, then the enemy will remove you from your calling to conquer. There are many of you that the devil has you fighting on your heels. He has you convinced that if you make it to heaven, it's going to be a miracle. If you stay saved, it's going to be a real shocker. That if you ever move beyond your past and step into your promise, it's going to be absolutely astounding. Some of you are convinced that if you actually make it to heaven, there's going to be a lot of people that are surprised when they get there and see you there. Why? Because that is a perversion of what God has called you to. God did not call you to some surprise shocker that you made it to heaven. He called you to an overcoming, conquering faith. I want to let you know when you get to heaven, don't be surprised to see me there. I can already tell you I'm going to be there. I'm not going to let anything in this world get between me and Jesus. I'm not going to let money, I'm not going to let fame, I'm not going to let temptation get between me and Jesus. If you have trouble praising him down here, it might be a shocker if you make it there. 
Because the Bible says there's going to be a little moment of silence in heaven. Eh? And from that point on, there's going to be praise and worship, never-ending praise. So let me tell you how you can keep it from being a shocker. You can learn to be a praiser now. Eh? You can learn to be a worshiper now. Eh? You can learn to bless the Lord at all times now. He didn't call you to a walk with him that would barely edge the adversary. Where that great cloud of witnesses that the book of Hebrews talks about is sitting nervously on the edge of their seat, biting their nails, wondering if you're going to survive the test and make it through the trial. No, he called you to a walk with him that would annihilate and obliterate the enemy. I believe there's a great cloud of witnesses up there not sitting on the edge of their seat, biting their nails, but they're celebrating. Look at him go. Look at her go. Look at them live for Jesus. But we must fight the peril of perversion. Where the enemy distorts who we are called to be in Christ. The enemy knows if he can just get you to slip into a victim mindset. And get you to begin to, to live your daily life as if the whole world is out to get you. That nobody is for you. Come on, y'all got quiet on me now. That the deck is stacked against you. If he can get you into a defensive posture with a victim mindset... Amen. I come to preach against the victim mindset today. In fact, I didn't just come to preach against it. I came to destroy it. Because the enemy knows if he can get you to buy into a victim mindset, you cannot be a conqueror. Not every little problem that goes wrong in your life means the whole world is out to get you. You need to stand up and understand that the trial of your faith is there to bring you forth as pure gold. I think we sometimes come to church on Sunday to hear what pastor's going to preach. Sometimes it's to see what new toy Brother Sylvia has. His aisle-running capabilities just seem to elevate every week. But he is demonstrating for you exactly what I'm trying to preach to you today. That no matter what I go through, it's not a setback, it's a setup. Amen. It's not meant to tear me down, it's meant to move me forward. But if the enemy can get you into a victim mindset, the fiery trial that God permitted, can I tell you, a fire, fiery trial can't get to you unless God allows it. I got less hand claps with that one. The fiery trial cannot get to you unless God allows it. And if you allow yourself to be moved into a victim mindset, in the very fiery trial that God permitted. The Bible says the reason he allowed that fiery trial is to refine your faith so at the end you will come forth as pure gold. You can't get the pure gold without the trial. But when you are living in a victim mentality... The very trial that God brought to purify you and produce excellence in you, you view it as the anger and the disapproval of God. The people that God placed in your life to challenge and mold you, when you look at everything through a victim mentality, you view everybody with skepticism and wrongly conclude they're just there to hold you back. Molding and holding are not the same thing. Yes, they involve hands being placed on you, but one is so that you can move forward in your calling. And most of the time, we're skeptical of the people God placed in our life to mold us. I wonder right now, could somebody thank God? That he put people in your life to mold you. Anybody ever been around a child that was never disciplined? Please don't look around right now. They were never corrected. Whatever your correction is, 
My dad's form of correction wouldn't fit in today's culture. His count to ten was, he was counting how many, how many you know, as he was giving us the swats. One, two, three. But he didn't count to ten. He just counted, I don't know, until he couldn't count anymore. I'm kidding. I make him sound abusive. It wasn't abuse. It was correction. But that correction is what, what, what enabled me to have a purpose in my life. That correction is what enabled me to, to move beyond some errors and get things going in the right direction in my life. And so it is, if we're living with a victim mentality, when people and God puts people in our lives to speak discipline, amen, we view it as attacking. We view it as people that are there to hold us back. No, they're not there to hold you back. They're there to mold you for what God has for you in your future. I'm telling you, as a church, we've got to move beyond a victim mentality. We've got to stop seeing it as the whole world is against me. When I played football, the coach told us, if you play tentative, if you play like you're scared, you're going to get hurt. It's when you try to avoid contact, that's when you're going to get hurt. But the coach said, if you're the one on the offense, if you're the one initiating contact, you're, you're much less likely to be hurt. And if the enemy knows that he can get you on your heels, if he knows he can get you defensive in your walk with God, if he knows if he can get you back on your heels in a defensive posture, let me ask you if, you, if you're on your heels and I knock you over and you fall, where are you going to land? Right? They call it backsliding. Right, you're going you're gonna to land on your backside. But if I get on my toes and I'm in the offensive, if I'm moving forward, amen, if I've got a victor's mindset and I see that, that there's good things in front of me, amen, yeah, there might be a few people out to get me, but God is for me. And if God is for me, it doesn't matter who's against me. Come on, somebody, I'm trying to help you today. you got to get on your toes you got to move forward. Because if you get on your toes and you're moving forward with confidence, if I fall now, guess where I land? I land on my knees, and that's where I get my power at. That's where I get my strength at. Come on, I'm telling somebody today, it doesn't matter who's against you if God is for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? I'm not saying that you won't have troubles. I'm not saying you won't be done wrong. But I believe that's why Jesus went through half the things he went through. It's to set an example for you that you'll never go through anything that I, more than what I went through. And guess what? When they nailed me on that tree, I looked at the people that did me wrong and I forgave them. Amen. They put me in a grave, but they couldn't hold me there. And God wants to give you that same victory. The gospel, gospel is good news. I just pet peeve, I get irritated when it feels like preachers of the gospel perpetrate a victim mentality to people. Amen. It's like the only way that they can preach to you is at first they put you in a victim mentality box. The gospel is not a victim mentality message. Amen. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is a message that God's got it all in control. The gospel is a message everything's going to be all right. The gospel is a message that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The gospel takes the attention off of what you've been through and places the attention on what he went through so that you can be victorious. But you cannot be victorious and be a victim at the same time. I'm going to let that settle in. Silence doesn't scare me. I'll let it settle in. I know some of you don't like what I'm preaching right now. That's okay. I just hope you listen to me and think about it a little bit. You cannot be victorious and be a victim at the same time. 
It is impossible to play defense and be on offense at the same time. It is impossible to believe that the world is out to get you and to be out to win the world at the same time. They are not simultaneous. They are not synonymous, but you've got to make up in your mind. I am not a victim. Yes, I've been through some things, but I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. Peril of perversion. Allowing the enemy to convince you that you were called to struggle and you were called to be a victim and you were called to maybe if I'm lucky just barely slip into heaven. But then there is the power of persuasion. We find again that Paul is very particular in his word usage. There are many words that he could have used to demonstrate that we are victorious. Several other Greek words that he could have used to convey a victory. For example, the Greek word pyrrhic, which means to win but at a great cost. This Greek word, Paul could have used it. It's a win that comes with great struggle and adversity. And if Paul would have used that word to describe a win that involved tribulation, famine, and peril, it would have made sense. Paul could have just used the word Nike which is the word that means victorious. But Paul doesn't use that word pirate, which means a struggling victory that with great cost. Yes, I made it, but I lost so much that I'm not really sure that it was worth the battle to, to get the win. That's Paul said, no, that's, yes, tribulation, yes, distress, yes, peril, yes, sword, all of that, yes, but that's not the kind of victory. It's not a victory that we look back and say, I'm not sure if it was worth it. It's not just a Nike victory where we sneak out a win at the end, but Paul said, I've got to use the only word that can really convey what I'm thinking. It's the word hypernicamus, and that means you are more than, you are surpassingly victorious, but he said, wait, that's that's not even enough. I've got to add more to than it. You are more than. Amen. You're more than just winning by a great margin. I'm going to look back and say it was worth it all. It was worth everything I went through. It was worth every storm. Come on, when your feet touch those streets of gold, it's going to be worth every storm. It's going to be worth every trial. Come on, child of God. Come on, God created you to be more than a conqueror. Come on. All right, let me hold on. I'm almost finished. There's a difference. And I know I'm talking to, maybe I'm using terminology that maybe I'm isolating some that are here today because maybe sports aren't your thing. But ask some guy standing next to you, he might be able to, maybe I'll try to put into shopping terms if I can. Or, or essential oils, I don't know. <laughs> but there's a difference between a team that is playing just hoping to get off the final shot trying to get into position for a last-second field goal. That boxer that is on the, behind on the scorecard, just trying to land that one last punch because they know if they don't, they're going to lose. There's a difference between them and the team that is up by 30 at halftime. That, 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 that team... That, that, that they know they're ahead. That boxer that knows he's ahead on the scorecard. Amen. And what I'm talking about, there's a confidence. There's a confidence that comes when you look back and your secretariat and the next horse is halfway around the track behind you. There's a confidence that comes. And the I'm not talking about relaxing. I'm not talking about losing urgency. I'm not talking about losing hunger. But it's a realization. If I just keep doing what I've been doing, if I just keep doing what I've done so far, I know I'm going to make it if I just keep serving God, if I just keep lifting up my hands, if I just keep praying, if I just keep worshiping. Come on, child of God, you need to recognize who you are. You are more than a conqueror. You're not just going to slip into heaven. You're going to make it with victory. You're going to be an overcomer. I don't believe God wants you living in fear. 
I remember when I was a child, there were several times that I would, I thought my family was home and, and I couldn't find nobody. I thought the rapture happened. You want to talk about fear? Freddy Krueger got nothing on that fear. Anybody ever been there? Like you're in the other room and all of a sudden you walk in and that person's gone but their clothes are laying there and you're like, oh. I remember specifically when we lived on Midway Drive back in the back end of the church, everybody was home. And I had gone in the room, I came out and nobody was home. I, mean, I ran around the whole building, I ran through the building, around the building seven times hoping the walls would fall down. I, I would, any, any sign of life, dad's voice, mom, I would even take my little brother's voice, anybody. Anybody, because I know if he made it, I know I'd have been good. That was before cell phones. I couldn't call anybody. I'll never forget that feeling when finally I saw mom. Oh, thank God. Thank God. But God doesn't want you living in fear. The rapture should not be a term that brings fear to you. Amen. The second coming of the Lord should not be a phrase that brings trepidation to you. The end times that we are entering into should not have you fearful. It should have not have you dismayed, but it should have you confident. I'm about ready to go home to see Jesus. This is what I've been living my life for. Come on, you need to live with confidence. If I just keep doing what I've been doing, I'm going to make it to see Jesus. Being more than a conqueror is not synonymous with denying the hardships of... I don't believe that being a victor means that you deny... That there are struggles in life. I don't believe saying that there are things I've gone through is the same as a victim mentality. I don't even believe saying that I've been a victim is the same as being a victim mentality. We could go around the room today. And most if not all of you could share at least one story where you have been done wrong. We all could. But that's not the same as a victim mentality. All right? Being a victor. Being more than a conqueror is not synonymous with denying the hardships of life. Being worshipful and declaring the goodness of God is not dependent, is, 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 is dependent neither on the absence of trials or denying the presence of tribulation. My worship, Brother Sylvia, in other words, I don't, you didn't run, you didn't, whatever, you scoot the aisles. You didn't do that today because you don't have problems in your life. You didn't, I know you got a crushed heel. I fell off the roof, thank God, spared his life. But it could have been a lot. But I know there's, there's not the absence of problems. In you. you didn't show up today in church and worship God because you don't have trials and you don't have troubles in your life. Amen. Paul did not hide the troubles. Amen. Being more than a conqueror does not mean that I don't have troubles. Being a worshiper and praising God does not depend on there being no storms in my life. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul does not deny the trials. He doesn't present an image of rainbows and unicorns. He doesn't gloss over the hardships of life. He doesn't say, you know what, in, in all of these blessings and favor and you know, increase and abundance, we are more than conquerors. No, he says in tribulation and in distress and in persecution. Those three words, no matter whether you look at them in the Greek or in the English, they, they, are, they, they speak of pressure. They speak of an oppressing and constricting circumstances of life that just press on us. And Paul's saying, I'm not telling you today that I'm more than a conqueror because I don't have stress. I'm not telling you that I'm more than a conqueror because I've never been done wrong. If you read in other places, Paul says, I was beaten with whips. I was shipwrecked. I was left for dead. But Paul said, I'm not leaving any of that out. But I'm still more than a conqueror. He says famine. That means without food. Nakedness without clothing, peril without security, and the sword speaking of death. But being a victor does not deny the opposition. It does not deny the challenge. It is a perspective. I'm a victor. Not because I've been through less than those with a victim mindset. 
but because I have a different. I'm telling you, there's people in this room today that you're victorious and you've been through twice as much. I would never be able to handle what some of you all went through. And let your and yet your praise makes mine look pathetic. Why? Because it's a mindset. You've tapped into a mindset that I am victorious. That I'm more than a conqueror. That what I've been through doesn't define me. Amen. But it's where I'm going that defines me. It's who I am in Jesus Christ. I wish some folks in this building that have been through some things would stand on your feet right now and give God praise. Come on, Maggie Marie, I know you've been through some things, but I love the fact that you just keep showing up and giving God praise. Some of you are waiting for your storm to go away so you can give God praise, but you are more than a conqueror. That means I can praise him in the storm. I can praise him in tribulation. I can praise him in distress. I can praise him in persecution. I can praise him in famine. The difference between the conqueror and the defeated is not that one goes through tough times and the other has all the lucky breaks. Contrary to popular opinion. There are many that think, well, if I had their life, then I would be a worshiper too. You don't know. You don't know what they've been through. That's a trick of the enemy. That's a lie of the devil to get you to live in a victim mindset so that you may barely just make it into heaven. That's a lie from the devil. If you had their circumstances, you might not even be in the church today. Some of you, God knows you can't handle a blessing. Some of you, God knows he, can't, you, he knows you can't handle wealth. And so he doesn't give it to you because God's main destination for you isn't a mansion, it's glory. The difference is that there's people in here standing throughout this building today. Sister Lawrence, every time, Sister Lawrence, you come in and you worship God, it does something to me. Because I know, I don't know the, the exact numbers, but I know there's some vertebrae in your, in your spine that have been fused together. And I know it'd be easy for you to sit back there and just go through a church. I know it's been over 30 years that you've been bringing that suit to church with you. And I know that physically it may not be here, but it wasn't long ago that you came and you said, Pastor, when, when Elder, when, when, when Charles gets back in the church, I want you to preach those renewing of our vows. And it's been over 30 years, but you still keep showing up and you still keep praying. It's not because you haven't been through things, but it's because you got a, a perspective. I want to challenge somebody today. You're going to make it to heaven. You're going to win. You're going to conquer. The devil is afraid of you. The enemy is afraid of you getting a victor's mindset. The difference is not, Sister Lawrence, that you have better circumstances than others. I'm sure you have some good things, I'm sure. But it's a mindset. The difference is that, Maggie Marie, what causes you to come down front? I don't even know your whole story, Maggie, but the little I know. You've got some challenges. Every time Maggie Marie is here, she's right down front worshiping. Hands raised. I'm sure some of you, and Maggie Marie, I don't mean this bad, but some of you, man, I wish she'd quiet down. I, don't quiet down, Maggie Marie. Don't quiet down. Please don't. Because you don't know what she's been through. You don't know what she's been through. But, but I'm thankful, Maggie Marie, that you're here to be a victor. I'm, I'm thankful that you believe that you're more than a conqueror. I'm not just going to barely win. I'm going to win by a long shot. I'm going to overcome. says it's, it's not the lack of trouble it's not the lack of tribulation or distress or persecution it's not the lack of famine it's not the lack of nakedness it's not the lack of peril it's not the absence of the sword he ties it in in verse 38 he says here it is it's for I am persuaded for that's what makes all the difference in the world 
between the victim and the victor. It's not the absence of the storm, but it's a made-up mind. It's that the victor stands in the midst of the storm and says, I am persuaded. I am persuaded that I'm going to make it through this. I am persuaded that nothing is going to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I've got a made-up mind. I'm convinced. I wish somebody would stand up today like secretariat and say, I'm persuaded. I'm going to run with confidence the race that is set before me. Would you stand with me all across this house? Let's raise our hands together. It's time to settle this right now. Is it really that easy? It all, it starts there. It starts there. It starts right here. I made up mine made up mind doesn't matter doesn't matter what comes doesn't matter who does me wrong doesn't matter how wrong they do me doesn't matter how long they do me wrong doesn't matter the storm I go through I'm persuaded I've got a made up mind devil when this is over I'm going to win by so much oh I can't wait to rub it in your face devil I'm going to be so victorious, it's not even going to be funny. I'm going to be so victorious, you're not even going to believe, devil, how much I win. The Bible says one day we're going to look narrowly upon that enemy. Amen. That one that causes so much pain. Devil, you're trying to convince me that it's going to be a miracle if I make it. Devil, I want to let you know right now I already made up my mind I'm going to make it. There's not a chance in this world I'm going to miss heaven. There's not a chance in this world I'm going to let anything get between me and the love of Christ. I wonder if somebody could get that made up mind today. Come on, in the middle of your storm. I know some of you are going through it right now. I know that. I'm going to tell you, you're called to be more than a conqueror. Don't you let the enemy box you in. Don't you let the enemy drag you into that victim outlook. Don't you let the enemy pull you into that place. Come on, when you begin to believe it's going to be a miracle if I make it through this thing. It's going to be a miracle if I outlast this storm that I'm going. It's not going to be a miracle. You are more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You're more. I want to I share this last story that I read in, in studying for this. There's a historic, it's not just Greek mythology, but a historical story. Story of Phidippides, which is just a fun name. If I don't even tell the story, I just wanted to say that name, Phidippides. If any of you have a child in the next year, I think you should name it Phidippides. Phidippides was a messenger in the Greek army. The story goes, the widely held version of the story goes that Phidippides, this messenger, soldier, warrior, had witnessed a great victory by the Greeks against the invading Persians at the Battle of Marathon. That's where the battle was fought, was at Marathon. That was the name of the location. And after the victory was over, they won this incredible victory. He, won 20, he ran 26.2 miles to Athens, which was the capital city. And he burst into the doors. And, any marathon runners in here? A marathon is 26.2 miles. They run it in honor of Phidippides who ran 26.2 miles. He ran as fast as he could. He burst into the room where all the politicians are gathered. And he shouts out, Nike, Nike, Nikemos, which means victory, victory, we won. And then he falls over dead. And they name a marathon after him. Because what else do you do for a guy who runs that hard and then dies? It's such a romantic story. But recently, there's another version of this man named Phidippides that many different historians wrote a different version, Brother Alberti, and I like this version better. Because what really happened, they say, is that Phidippides was there at this battle, and they realized that the Persians were invading from the coast, and there was no, they were gonna, no way they were going to win. And so they sent him to, to get an ally and say, we need help from the ally. And so Phidippides ran 140 miles over two days. That's impressive. He didn't fall over dead, though. 
He stopped and said, we need help. Can you come and help us fight? And they said back to Pheidippides, we can't. We're four days into a seven-day religious ceremony. At the end of seven days, we'll come and help you. Well, Pheidippides didn't just stop there. He ran 140 miles back. In two more days, he ran 140. That's almost 300 miles in four days. And he warned his people. And because Pheidippides ran, they were able to win the battle. He didn't fall over dead. He was victorious. Can I tell you, that's the way the enemy wants to do some of you in your faith, is that you just made it 26.2 miles, and you barely made it, and now you're going to die. Oh, no, devil, you don't know me. I'm more than that. I'm not just going to barely make it. I'm going to live. I'm going to conquer. Somebody shout victory. Victory in Jesus. I am a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. I need some of you that have been struggling in your faith to come down to this altar right now. Some of you that the enemy is trying to back you into a corner where you believe it's going to be a miracle. If you make it, you need to run down to this altar. I'm not just barely going to make it. Let me remind you that I am called to be more than a conqueror. on I came to encourage you today child of God you're not just gonna make it and then collapse and die you're gonna go beyond what they thought was possible you're gonna do bigger things than they thought was possible and at the end of it you're not gonna die you are going to be victorious I rebuke the lie of the enemy I rebuke good people of God that the enemy is holding in captivity working to convince them that they're barely going to make it to heaven. If they make it, it will be a miracle. But I pray somebody would stand instead of rocking back on their heels, they would lean forward on their toes and saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. But you got to make up your mind. That's what makes all the difference. It's not the storm. Two people can go through the same storm and one die in the storm and the other one gets stronger in the storm. It's because one had a made up mind. And I'm telling you, some of you, all you are away from a great victory is being persuaded. The only thing that separates you from God doing great things in your family is you being persuaded. The enemy knows if he can just keep you in between. If I can just keep them from being persuaded. If I can just keep them fluctuating in their walk with God. I wish you'd walk down. I just feel the Holy Ghost pulling a little bit more. Just somebody else, somebody else. I'm I'm asking you to respond not to me, but to what God is saying. Come on, today is the day to get persuaded. I wish wish you'd find somebody right now to pray with. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in this building. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. Dot com. So I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.